Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Media Podcast. I'm Rick Edwards. On today's show, Jon Snow calls for more social mobility in the media. What can broadcasters and program makers do to change the faces in television? Plus, top TV makers share their hot tips from the sessions. We discuss why the media are always shocked at what time normal people get home from work. And in the media quiz, we play monkey tennis. That's all to come on today's media podcast. Joining me today at the Edinburgh International Television Festival, also making her media podcast debut, we have Kate Harwood, Managing Director of Euston Films. Hello, Kate. Hello. Uh, are you as nervous as I am? <laughs> Oh, definitely, I'm sure. Are you nervous? Um, my knee is trembling, Kate. In a good way, I think. In a good way. Um, so, uh, Euston Films is now part of Talkback? No. No? No. That's a, what a great <laughs> start. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great. It turns out you should be nervous. Should we just this move real back? Euston Films is part of Fremantle Media, which also oh. Talkback is also part of. Oh. But, but we're affiliated. We're a sister okay. company. I mean, look, I no, wasn't no, no, a no, million no, miles off, Kate. No, no, you can't, you can't all mush us all up together. Can but Euston Films is a big heritage company and label of drama in, in, yeah. in drama terms it makes the kind of old drama producers go a bit misty eyed because it was the, the, the company that was responsible for shows like The Sweeney and Minder right, right. and Long Good Friday and Widows and great great classics from the kind of 80s so I was very lucky to be given charge of it uh, three years ago and uh, started my own slate in Euston Films brand just to go back to this talkback thing <laughs> would you say that Euston Films were now cousins with talkback I'd say siblings siblings oh so close yeah, yeah, okay yeah, alright yeah. fine but different genres you know what one's like in genre you know yeah, so yes really, I do in fact, in fact somebody from Talkback who won't be named she said to me so drama drama let me tell you one episode how long does it take to shoot what five days I was like <laughs> yeah because it could be up to seven <laughs> um, what have you got coming up then well, um, we have our first commission, uh, which is a show called Hard Sun by Luther creator Neil Cross. It's mm-hmm. his first big show post-Luther, which we're delivering into the BBC this autumn. So and all shots? Oh, yeah, all shot. We're, we're sort of faffing around with the music and, and, and post-production at the moment, starring Jim Sturgis and Agnes Dean uh-huh. um, and Nikki Mookabird. Uh, it's a, it's a, we call it a pre-apocalyptic crime show. So uh, these two cops stumble across the fact the world's going to end in five years um, and you know they're being hunted down uh, for 
trying to stop them exposing the secret. Meanwhile, kind of weird and wonderful criminals come out of the woodwork and start creating havoc. So it's a it's a it's a Neil Cross special. There's lots of thrills and jumps with great central characters played by Jim and Aggie. For those people who haven't experienced this festival before, could you paint me a little picture? with words right well it's a kind of melee of uh, media types from Mm. all over the industry you know the key thing is I think as much happens between the sessions as in the sessions in fact I was told today of somebody who's definitely here and not intending to go to any session because there's far more interesting networking going on around and about so there's a lot of chat there are people you kind of wave across the room at and hope to god they don't come across and speak to you and there are other people you wave across the room at that's sort of 95% of people isn't it actually as that but it's certainly either or there are some people you go as well oh, god there's so and so I hoped I'd never see them again and then there's other people who go oh there's my dear old friend who I worked with at the beginning of my career look at us we're still standing how fantastic so it's a mix of both really some of my uh, friends run a production company and they have just rented an Airbnb just up the road and it's really nice and they haven't gone to any sessions they haven't <laughs> even got tickets they're like no, tickets no. are really expensive <laughs> and then they just invite people to come to the Airbnb and it's such a treat it's oh. like this massive kind of Georgian terrace it's like their own festival yeah within, yeah, yeah, yeah. they just idea. invite people over they've got macaroons I mean <laughs> I recommend I'll, I'll oh, hook you up it's really That's good great. I mean it used to be when it was up at the George back in the day yeah. I'm sure Boyd and I remember yes. it was easier to sneak off and see you know a, a, a play or a mm. show or a bit of comedy now they've stuffed us down one end in a conference centre it's harder to do that and I miss that a bit actually yeah you can still do it you, you can you, but you, you can't a brisk be- walk you can do get down to like Cowgate in 15 minutes yeah 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 that's true I've been you doing a bit of that yeah. um, joining Kate uh, we have two veterans of the podcast Heat Magazine's Boyd Hilson hello and Faraz Osman of Indie Lemonade Money hey how, you how are you I'm alright thanks what's going on um just this at the moment just doing the media <laughs> podcast it's day, day two of the festival is always, is always an interesting one because it's people have been out a little bit too late for uh-huh. the past two nights so they're all a little bit delirious but they're ch- still trying to keep with it is it Talking only day two it's only day oh, two it is only yeah, day two incredible. I think day two is kind of peak festival yeah definitely everyone's here like mm-hmm. you say everyone's been out yeah Everyone's kind of muddling through. Yes. <laughs> my thing. My thing is, is that like you keep seeing people that you know, you know, but you can't remember from where mm. and like what the context was and what the situation. And was. you can't and get quite like, close enough to yeah. read their name badges. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of this. Oh, going. There's, there's a lot so of much of the yeah. old eyes down. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Can I just nudge you a little bit so it flips over and I can figure out who you <laughs> yeah. are? But. I get on on day three. Uh, I find myself just resorting. So you just grab the lanyard, oh, bring it up good. to your face, yeah. read it. Yeah. I find got you. Bold. Favorite moment of the festival so far for us. Jon Snow's McTaggart was brilliant, and I'm sure we're going to come on to it, but, but I think that the thing about, you kind of came up here, and I don't want, I don't want to play it down, because John's obviously absolutely amazing. I think that there was a sense that the name wasn't box office in the way that Kevin Spacey was in previous years, and, and so it's a little bit like, oh, I'm hearing from a guy who I see on television every day, is, is this going to be that exciting? But he gave something that was just beautifully eloquent and, and really felt like it was taking the temperature of what's going on right now but like I said I'm sure we'll talk about it later on but it, but it certainly deserved the standing ovation that it got I thought Boyd what's the most telly thing you've heard anyone say so far this week oh that's a good question the most telly thing I've heard anyone say I've heard a few people talking about how they're flying off to their um, holiday homes in the south of France of course I, mean, they re- I don't want to name names but at least three in the last ten minutes have told me that so <laughs> not me and Farage no, so definitely not you guys no it's, it's Rick 
all of all Brit's three holiday homes. Yeah, yeah. I'm just doing yeah. a little tour. Yeah. Why not? On Teeb is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> One of them's a Georgian terrace that sells macarons yeah. as well. Exactly. Uh, later on, we're going to um, hear about some of the commissions that have been announced this week, but we are going to start off by talking about the McTaggart, obviously the keynote speech. Jon Snow was talking to delegates about the media's responsibility for social mobility. He mourned the loss of local journalism uh, and he called for social media companies to pay more tax. Uh, let's hear a clip. Why didn't any of us see the Grenfell Action blog? Why didn't we know? Why didn't we have contact? Why didn't we enable the residents of Grenfell Tower and indeed the other hundreds of towers like it around Britain to find pathways to talk to us and for us to expose their stories? In that moment, I felt both disconnected and frustrated. I felt on the wrong side of the terrible divide that exists in present-day society and in which we are all in this hall major players. We can accuse the political classes for their failures, and we do, but we're guilty of them ourselves. We are too far removed from those who lived their lives in Grenfell and who, across the country, now live on amid combustible cladding the lack of sprinklers, the absence of centralised fire alarms and more revealed by the Grenfell Tower. John Snow there. Uh, Boyd, yes. was it a good speech? Yes, it was very good. I, I, um, I mean, we have to remember last year, um, uh-huh. for those of us here last year, <laughs> Shane Thingy from um, Vice, so yes. thank you, was, gave one of the worst um, McTaggart's in history, right? I, I, I know we Sorry, don't do want you, to talk about no. I quite like half of it. Uh, half really? Everyone well, the else showed absolutely cl- loathed it. The halfway showed clips of stuff coming up that he was in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was yeah. fairly And it's supposed to be about young people. It's supposed to be about young people, yeah. Anyway, I, I thought it was grotesquely embarrassing. Where, yeah. So the contrast um, couldn't be greater, because I think this sure. is, and, I, and before I get on to what they was actually saying, I think it's a really interesting difference between the two of them and some other actual McTaggart speakers I can mention. Jon Snow is a, is a normal human being, do you know what I mean? Like, he may be on TV every day, but I feel like he's not just there to, to massage his own ego, and he's not just there for stardom. He's there because he passionately loves doing what he does, and, yeah. and that, that came through in the McTaggart, and I just saw, I, I mean, I did agree with every word he said, pretty much. I mean, I think m- further than saying Facebook needs to pay more tax, he was actually saying Facebook needs to start paying for the fact that everyone is giving its content for free, and it's not investing in any in any way. And, and apparently, I was at the McTaggart dinner last night, and Jon Snow said that by five past seven after his McTaggart speech, mm. um, the head of Facebook, what's his name? One Zuckerberg. Famous, Zuckerberg. Most famous man in the world. <laughs> I can't remember his name. I've stayed, I was out late. Was responding to it and saying, "Oh, actually, we might start. We might, we will invest in journalism." You know, and I thought that's kind of actually achieving something, really. Yeah. And seemed to be in direct response to Jon Snow's speech. So. That's pretty incredible from a tagger at Edinburgh, I have to say. So I thought it was brilliant, and everyone's saying inspiring, that is the word. And I just think, but I think it's good to see a really important person in TV who comes across as a proper, decent human being who's passionately believes in what he's doing. The key to it, you know, yes, there was calls to action, um, and, you know, and I thought the, the piece about the idea that the blog about Grenfell. Uh, was something that was out there yes. and everybody saw after the event and it was it was a sort of destruction of local news that was a kind of an interesting kind of root cause of it but I thought the thing that really made it was how how he personalized it I thought that you know obviously talking showing his confrontations at Grenfell which were famous and were reported all over but but actually that extraordinary telling of the meeting of with the young girl who who ended up dying in the fire obviously rocked him to his core and it still is shaking him and I think it's that 
extraordinary thing when you see someone talk not just from the heart but from a, a deeply felt personal experience and, it, and an endeavour to sort of turn that into something that we can all share and, and be motivated by. It was really moving, really moving. It's, it's interesting. I, I think boys hit it on the head when it comes to the comparisons with Shane Smith's piece last year because they actually were saying very similar things like we're representing a generation that hasn't had a voice that um, may have been hidden previously I think that's what Shane was trying to say that we're going into these spaces that telling these stories that, that would normally not be told and and I think John was actually making a very similar point but in a much more eloquent way and, and a much more considered way and, and I think that there's a real opportunity and, and, a, and a thirst to actually make sure A that we're doing it but also figuring out how we cut through all of this noise that's been created and felt like a real revolution and it was like freedom and democracy of the internet and isn't going to be great everyone's going to be able to hear stuff and actually as we've seen the last year the loudest voices no matter what they say are the ones that are rising to the top and and there needs to be a real a, a sense back of balance that mm. we need for both news but but also networks and and vice do that because they are able to kind of create very high quality programming and documentaries that are saying something and getting into spaces that not other people weren't getting into so it's always quite ironic that vice is doing what john snow is asking for but they're not self-aware enough to recognise that it's, it needs to be more humble like Jon Snow was and less about the individual like Shane Smith was mm. by putting himself in the front of every single programme. I don't think humble is a thing that... <laughs> no. I don't think, I don't think no. Shane Smith's ever heard of the word humble. <laughs> no. But I mean, they did the, the, the definitive Charlottesville documentary, didn't they, Vice, yeah. in, and, in the States? They do some great stuff. Yeah, they do, absolutely. Yeah, and totally. it's important to note that, that they, they did that because they did the research beforehand. Yes. They saw it coming. Yeah. They were like, something's coming here. It's coming, And that's exactly what John was talking about. Yeah. Something was happening at Grenfell that we, as an industry, should have been aware of before it actually happened. And, and the whole thing that he kept repeating of, like, where were you before this happened yeah. was his key point. And actually, Vice will have been doing that for a while. But, but, uh, then, but, that, but that McTaggart, you've got no sense of you, that. I mean, if, you no. come, if you've been a marshal and had no idea what Vice was. You'd have thought it was a channel funded by a, a, a loud Canadian <laughs> yes. trying to do crap Scottish accents, which put himself in. You know, I mean, it was exactly. gave you exactly. none of yeah. that. It was, it was all it was, talk. And, 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 and but I, I think the hope is is that if you combine the two together, mm. there is a there is a genuine hope. It's and, coming and I think from that the, the Facebook thing that's happened, you know, yeah. today, yesterday, I can't remember yeah. what it was now, but all of those <laughs> things that that conversation is now absolutely live. And that's what a good McTaggart should do, is kind of really get your finger on the pulse, figure out what's happening right now, say how you need to move the needle. And I think John did that, and, and I think it was a great McTaggart. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. It was interesting when he spoke about how he got into journalism and then talked about the barrier to entry that new new people have, master's degree, the fact that it's yeah. impossibly expensive to live in, in London. What are the solutions to that? They seem like big problems. Well, he was saying how he was in, in the newsroom where he works there, encouraging people, you don't have to get a degree, no, you don't have to go to university. I mm. think that's really good, important. I do think, I mean, people always, I mean, I know I've worked for a celebrity magazine and everything, but, you know, I was, I'm not a trained journalist in any way, and I think there is a little bit of that, you know, you have to have achieved these certain educational high watermarks I think it's just rubbish it's and internships as start right. to be challenged yeah, actually we were talking totally. at dinner last night about this and a friend of mine's husband you know was, she was telling me about a scheme they have in publishing where you kind of offer your spare room to people who want to come and do an intern at a company that's London based so it's a sort of scheme that's going and we were talking about seeing whether we could set that up mm. in telly in some way where you basically so that people can get work experience or come and intern for a bit you can offer them your spare room for a couple of weeks it's a great so it's really simple scheme yeah. isn't it let's launch yeah. it right now yeah okay we're all in well, <laughs> I, 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 I mean my, my spare, spare room is room? full of shoes <laughs> well, so but I can clear the shoes out I'm very happy to have I think someone. it's a great idea we're yeah. looking into it
I guess the issue is that without sort of initiatives like that, rich young people are always going to have more chance of getting into this industry. Is there a wider solution? It's really hard because, you know, it's, it, 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 as he was saying, it's, I mean, the, most of the industry is still based in London, so I don't know, and I don't know whether, you know, there was at one point there was talking of moving Channel 4 to Birmingham, that's not going to happen now. I just, it is impossible to live in London, isn't I, it, if it, you're young? It is, and I think and, it's also, in my side of the business, in drama, it's really difficult because, you know, back in the day there were lots of grassroots drama clubs um, and, you know, that students could get grants to go to drama school all of that you now have to privately fund and it's almost you know the drama schools are very London or Glasgow but are very few outside in any other centre so trying to bring people from diverse backgrounds into acting it is really difficult when I ran EastEnders for a, a while and then sort of was kind of responsible for it in-house for the BBC and I came up with an idea again and maybe it's just you know I just didn't have time before I left to set it up of having an EastEnders summer school where you basically you know in the kind of in shrine of EastEnders you spend time and encourage people to take holiday not just about young people actually about and it was inspired a bit by you know actors like Bob Hoskins who late in life turned to acting and brought their kind of life skills and their history and their class and their background onto the screen and said we need all of those voices in drama we need them massively um, I would say that, that things are changing though and it is again it's this whole kind of democracy and freedom of the internet etc but but you know Hums has just walked past us now yeah. he's just done a thing with Buddha King he's started his own YouTube channel it, it's one of the most watched in the UK and he's he's exploded he's just got a show on BBC3 as a result um, I've just come from a chat with Dan and Phil who, who were two guys that were you know Phil was um, uh, Dan was working in Asda Phil you know just started making videos in his bedroom and they're now two of the biggest talents in, in the world and, and I think that the the ability for about being patronising young people or just people that have unheard voices to go out there and, and get themselves an audience and get themselves known. John's point at the beginning that there was a blog about Grenfell Tower that went unnoticed, mm. that's still a moment where it's kind of go, we need to notice that. It's not about kind of going, let's give those people jobs because they're writing blogs, it's really great. It's about, it's about looking at places that we don't Reading normally them. look at and kind of giving it, shining a light on it, highlighting it and taking it seriously. And I think it's happening with a younger demographic where they're not just turning to TV and broadcasting, but they're looking for genuine voices elsewhere. And that's encouraging and hopefully that will kind of just start snowballing and, and will mean that people have a more varied media diet. Now I have to say TV as an industry is much better than print journalism where I come from because print journalism is absolutely dominated by posh white people. I mean, yeah. and it's abs- it's incredible, and it's so it's it's so hard to, 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 to change that. And TV, I look at you know, I know I know loads of people working TV. And I think it is much better than that. So there are worse mm. areas of the media, believe it or not, mm. for that kind of diversity for young people to get through. Uh, outside of the of the McTaggart, elsewhere in the festival, there was a lot of um, sort of hand wringing about diversity. But this year, instead of it being about ethnic diversity, there's a lot of stuff about reflecting the UK's regions better, so ITV and Channel 4 are both asking, asking that. Um, Kevin Ligo said that there was some research about audiences outside of London um, that had the room sort of gasping um, because <laughs> yeah. apparently they get home by six. Yes, I and knew people that. Could, people were staggered. <laughs> they were. People were on the floor. Yeah. I was amazed by how few people knew that outside of London people can get home by six. Yeah. AM, right? Yeah, 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 because yeah. they work in Party housing. Yeah. They're in an edit till 6 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he should have known that already. That was funny. I mean, I don't want to be too, you know, but if you look at TV ratings, there are loads of shows that do really, really well at 6 and 6.30. Um, and it's equally true that people in London don't get home until 7.38. Mm. But it was funny. You're right. How Funny how, how people were like, wow. Yeah, what an amazing insight. 
And they did that research probably cost gazillions of pounds from some company. They could have just other. rung up someone. Yeah. 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 Ring up someone, <laughs> someone in Darlington at yeah. six. They're in. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Watch your yeah. Yeah. He also said something like, did he claim that 75% or something of people in the North watch Emmerdale? Or something, something well, I think that's, that's what I've always heard. It's the Emmerdale effect. It's right. like, you know, that's when I, again, when I ran EastEnders, you always knew that Emmerdale... The, their audience were home by seven, yes. whereas the East Enders audience had to wait. There you go. They just weren't home by seven. There you go. Yeah. Is this all sort of part of that sense that we're just a bit out of touch? Yes. In our the metropolitan media and elite. Yes. It's, yeah. it's that again, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we are, but I do think you're, you. I think you use the word flagellating ourselves about it. And yeah. I think just pay attention. I mean, it's not difficult, I don't think, to, no. to other parts of the country. But flagellating yourself about it and trying to make it a whole big thing, I feel, is, is even is even worse in a way. I'm, I'm glad that Channel 4 isn't moving to Birmingham, for example. I don't think it makes sense to, to mm. just geographically shunt a building and all its people who work there from the capital city to Birmingham for the sake of it to show that you're taking the region seriously. I think that's ridiculous. So I'm glad that's not happening. And yet, at the same time, the people who run Channel 4 have got to go out there and meet people around the country and commission programmes. And the Guardian's not moving to Manchester, apparently. No, right, exactly. Yeah, but, but that's but, fair enough. But irrespective of whether you move, you know, like Channel 4 to Birmingham, should broadcasters be looking to work with smaller indies that aren't based in London? Oh, without doubt. I mean, it's, it's and, a no-brainer. And, and why isn't that happening? Why is that not a feasible thing to do? Well, of course, I'm an indie based in London, so uh, yeah. and possibly... The, I mean, I think, you know, it, it's, it's where communities of producers live and work, and it's about creating those communities. And as we all know, you know, the Welsh drama boom has been very real and that's because production was put there and when you've got production somewhere you know you start to draw young people in who and and the great thing about drama production is it it feeds so many different jobs and skills you know if you're a carpenter in a a particular area you know sets need building so there's jobs for training up it's fantastically um kind of you know diverse opportunities there so i think you know with with drama, when you start production, small indies will grow to, to service those areas of production. So I, I think, you know, and those stories need to be told. But you also, so it's about production, it's about creating the work, but you also need to have some responsibility to represent the areas you're in. And I think that starts to become, that people start to say things like, oh, we've done a Scottish drama show. So that's mm. that. You could, know. And it, 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 you've got to think broader than that. Could Lemonade Money just operate out of hull? The thing is, is that there's there's two sides of this, right? There's there's when a production starts, which is which is really important. You look at things like Hollyoaks, you look at Ackley Bridge, um, you look at Emmerdale, you look at all of these programmings. But when when they start becoming a big thing and they're made out of London, they they, they create an economy around them. The, the second side of this conversation, however, is is ideas, and and the problem is, is that we are a creative industry that is is communication it's all based around communication and you have to communicate with commissioners and they have to get you they have to understand your idea you have to explain it in a particular way and and unfortunately the informality of going up to a commissioner and saying you get me i get you now do you get my idea let's go let's go that's actually quite a subtle difficult thing to to crack and it's this whole thing about going to the same universities and even being here this feels when you're here like every time i'm here it feels like um when you're in secondary school and you're looking for a place to sit at lunch and like, do I sit with these group of mates or these group of mates? Because they know me like this or they know me like that. And you need to kind of spend that time navigating different personalities and keep being like a chameleon to talk to different commissioners and broadcasters mm. and, and brands in, in different ways. And that's where the challenge is. Now, a lot of those are based in London and that might be where the problem is. And I actually think that 
you need to separate those two issues. It's not just about production, because it's very easy to kind of go, that's a great idea, let's make it out of Bristol. But, but it's also to kind of get those voices but out there. But it's also, the it's voices, you know, I mean, I'm work, I have three commission shows with three different writers, none of whom live in London. And one actually, Neil Cross, actually lives in New Zealand. So that's another story. But uh, that means that Hard Sun, our show, we always say never sets, because there's always someone working. But I'm working with Stephen Butchard, who is, you know, lives in... Liverpool is a very strong voice from Liverpool, made good cop for, for us at the BBC, made Five Daughters. Currently, we're doing a show for Channel 4, which has been announced uh, set in Baghdad, you know. And it, so it's not just the producers who, who bring the ideas, you know. Very, a lot of writers now live outside London. Why wouldn't you if, you, if your job is transferable? It's, it's a great way of working. Uh, OK, we'll have a bit more from Boyd, Kate and Faraz in just a moment. But first, here are some top telly execs revealing their favourite moments from the Edinburgh International TV Festival. This is Russell T Davis. It's been a great festival, I've, I, as ever. It's, I have been terrible at going to sessions, but I love, it's the meeting people and stuff like that. Work gets done here. Deals are made. It's a real thing. And I particularly like meeting the, it's those young people. That's what it's all about. I'm 54 now. If you can't pay it forward now, when are you going to? Before I die quickly. So um, they're just full of youth and joy and will be employing me one day, hopefully. So that, that's, that's really genuinely what I come for. The, those one-to-watch people, the stuff like that. It's brilliant. I'm slightly terrified by the march of the huge budget when you watch Big Little Lies, which I think is a very good script elevated into an enormous drama by an enormous budget, kind of terrifies me. It's, it's exciting, and I liked watching it, and yet you fear for the normal British drama because we can't all raise that sort of money, and that money's going to get scarce as well, and, and not every drama should be pitched like that. It shouldn't. So I'm worried that we're seeing new templates being forged that everything else will have a hard time catching up with. That's not the biggest worry in the world, though. It's not, <laughs> there, things will still get made. I'm Alistair Scott. I'm director of Screen Academy Scotland. The festival's always a great chance to get exposure to the great and the good of television and see some amazing talents uh, and have interesting ideas about the future of television, if we can talk about television anymore, um, the future of broadcasting, the future of... Amazon, the future of Google, Facebook, everything's colliding together. So I'm Kat Lewis from Nine Lives Media in Salford. It saddens me that some people have this Jeremy Clarkson view that you've only made it if you live in London, but nobody could argue that Peter Kay hasn't made it, that Paul Habert hasn't made it, that Nicola Schindler hasn't made it, and all the wonderful writers that Nicola works with at Red Productions. And, you know, I just think that you should be able to have a career in television wherever you live. That was Cat Lewis of Nine Lives Media. We'll have more media talk after this. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Media Podcast with me, Rick Edwards. Very much available for hire. Uh, Kate, Boyd and Faraz are still with me. Uh, Boyd, you spoke to Jay Hunt. Yes. Uh, the outgoing controller of Channel 4. She's on stage on Wednesday, days after Bake Off was reviewed very positively mm. in the press. Yeah. Uh, was she on the front foot, did you feel? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it was weird because um, she's the outgoing controller of Channel 4, um, and it's odd to do these controller sessions, which are kind of the, the kind of, what should we call them, the ballast of the festival there. You know, they're traditionally going on ever since the start, I think, mm-hmm. where all the controllers of all the main channels and some of the smaller channels get probed in depth. Um, by the likes of me, and they kind of talk about what they're going, you know, what their big plans are. And of course, she's leaving, so she doesn't care. I mean, she does. Um, <laughs> but it was part kind of look back really at her whole career at Channel Four. She's the longest-serving controller of one of the main channels, um, and and I think her passion for, you know, people. Some people are critical of her. That there was a thing in broadcast saying she micromanages and this that, and the other, talking about her personal management style. For me, like she clearly passionately cares about that channel has done a pretty, really good job at you know, giving it some huge hits, returning hits year after year. I think they've invested in de- drama. Right now, the state that's just, I think, it's probably finishing last night? Or uh, tonight? Wednesday, Wednesday, tonight. Yeah, tonight. No, what's tonight? Thursday. Um, this very ambitious four-hour thing about ISIS they've had. You know, the Daily Mail said mm-hmm. it was a recruiting video for ISIS, which is absolute it's bollocks. It's not. It's a, really, it's a really clever, in-depth attempt to look at this question of why British people should go, go end up going to Syria to join mm. ISIS, which is a fascinating question, mm. and it tries properly to answer that. So I think Channel 4 was, be- by and large, does what it should be doing. And th- she was interested in talking about Bake Off because it happened after last year's session that she did, and so I got to ask her about it, and she, seemed, and she said, you know, look, it broke down with the production company and the BBC, so she took it, and she's fine with it, and, and it has got really good reviews, so she must be massive, she's massive. Yeah. Really, yeah. She said that a three million, they'll yes. break even. yes. I, I, me, I think that's not. I agree. Yeah, I, I should that's have made up, isn't it? I should have. Which is lowering expectations. Lowering expectations, definitely. Mm. Yes. It's like a football manager who goes, <laughs> "Yeah, Be we're very not, happy with a one-nil loss." Yeah, but like Mourinho <laughs> says, "No way, Man United, the favourites to beat Huddersfield." No, definitely not. Um, she, sorry for the football uh, analogy. She, uh, yeah, I think it needs to get. I'm, I think they'll be devastated if it gets. Three. I think they want yeah. four, five, definitely five. You know, um, what's, I sh- I what's should, it going to get? Let, well, right. Let's all say. Uh, yeah, start, I think we should okay. all guess. I think there should have been an, a, an Edinburgh wide um, sweepstake on it. I well, think it's just going to be know. media okay, podcast. This is wide. fine. <laughs> so this is fine. You go. I'm first. going for five point four million. Okay. Okay. Four point seven. Are we saying the first episode? First episode. Yeah. First episode. Yeah. So I'm going. I'm going higher. I think we're looking Ooh. at six and a half. Yes. Yeah, I'm going higher. I'm going five point nine. Okay, and we're talking overnight. This is the initial overnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Calm down. Uh, None yeah. of you consolidated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, well, no consolidation. Yeah. 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 No catch-up. Yeah. Uh, and then do you think, so it, you mentioned like we're talking about first episode, do you think there'll be a drop-off? I just doubt there's bound to be a drop-off because people are going to want to see what it looks like. But it grew on the BBC. So. Yeah, it did. That's yeah, but exactly. it's, it's an established brand now and you're going to have the fans come over to it. They're going to watch it. They're going to want to see what it is. And then there are going to be people that are the purists that only want to see the presenting talent that they see and they know and they mm-hmm. love. And, and, and also it's just the fact that it's on 
it's not on BBC One. So there, there will eventually be a drop-off. I think what's interesting is not the show itself, but the scheduling around it. What goes into it, what comes out of it, can they sustain that audience? And I think that if, if we are able to kind of figure out what the schedule looks like and the promotion around it to, to ensure that they're able to keep that audience, then we'll get an understanding as to how successful it's been for them. John Snow's Channel, Channel 4 News is before it, and um, Bear Grylls' um, Celebrity Island is after it. I think the combination of Noel Fielding and Sandy Toxfig is genius, I have to say. Sandy yeah. Toxfig is one of the funniest people in broadcasting, and the kind of idea of, of, of Noel Fielding floating through that aura in some kind of mad way, I, I, that I really want to see. I, yeah, and he does kind of float through it in that d- way. Yeah, yeah that's a bit, exactly what like happens, some crazy really. yeah. kind yeah. of... Yeah. You, you, you haven't seen it, right? I have seen it. Yeah, I've seen two episodes now. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, it's and it is it, it, the clever thing. Well, I don't know how clever it is. They've completely stuck to the formula. Yeah. So it set the music, the look, the tone, the pace is exactly the same as classic BBC Bake Off, and they've just kind of stealthily got Noel Fielding floating around, as you say. <laughs> In, uh, and Sandy being Sandy being funny instead of Mel and Sue and Prue Leaf is so much in the mould I have to say with, yeah. a, you know, one, with all due respect does Noel eat the cakes? hardly no but Sandy does yeah that's yeah. you do notice that but you know I love Bake I've always loved Bake Off and I really really like it I'd say it's like 10% not as good but just um, may, maybe by episode in the middle of it they'll get it as good I think it did need a refresh I, I actually really? think the last really? season I think the last season didn't didn't hit, really? hit, hit it oh. for me and I, and I think that actually it was due a, a, a tweak at the very okay. least to kind of continue to make sure it's interesting oh I've been deliriously happy with it so <laughs> yeah it, it just, uh, the, last, the last season felt like it dragged a little oh. bit for me so I, okay. I think actually regardless of where it stayed or where it went it, it needed something to kind of make sure it continued to be interesting in the previews that you watched yes. were there ad breaks and how did they sit yes uh, there were so that, yeah you didn't have to sit through the ads obviously they just, no. but you do see the, where the ad break is coming they're quite I, th- I thought they were quite cleverly placed sometimes it's at the point where they'd say your time's up and then they'll go to the outbreak. Yeah. So they do find natural places to have them. Mm. Interestingly, what they, the one change they have done is they don't have those little um, documentary little filmlets, you know, where they explain what the history of some kind of bake is. Uh, yeah, which okay. I think I know one in every single episode last year on BBC. I think later on they, they dropped them. But in the early episodes, you always got those. They're not in there at all. Mm. I don't and think they'd be missed. No, no. I, I guess they were. I guess they were running out of steam a bit because only so often you can do a history of the bourbon cream or whatever. <laughs> um, so they're not there. But apart from that, it, it, it feels fine. But I do. I think I don't think anyone's going to watch the ads. I have to say because it's so natural to go off and make a tea. I was watching it on my laptop and I wanted have to go cup, and make a tea yeah. there have and then. Have a slice of cake. And pause it. Yeah, and have yeah. a slice of cake. Yeah. So I don't know how they're going to deal with that. Oh, the advertisers will be delighted, <laughs> won't they? <laughs> <laughs> they will. Outlander, I think, is interesting, and it yeah. did well for more four, yeah. despite the fact that it was first on Amazon. I thought that Prime. was really interesting. Yeah, Jay said that. The most, yeah. So this is the thing because you, you, I think, in, when you're in the metro, the bubble of the metropolitan yeah. media elite, you think, oh, everyone's got Amazon Prime, everyone's got Netflix, they're watching this stuff. But she said that Outlander, which has been on Amazon Prime for like two, three years now, is a big, big hit on more four, and I think. Of course, why wouldn't it be? Because my mum doesn't watch Netflix or Amazon Prime. It's only in a percentage of UK households have got it. I don't, you know, not by no means the majority of UK households are watching those services still. And they still don't tell us how many people watch any of their things, by the way. She said, you know, we have no idea how many people watch it on Amazon Prime, but she's getting millions watching it on more four, which is great. So it does show you that still. Good old fashioned. Good old fashioned linear. Good old fashioned mm. linear is still the way most British people well, watch because TV. Because it's sort of there. Yeah. You know, right. L- last year at the dinner, I was sat opposite the guy who created Love Film, um, and that obviously got bought by Amazon, and now yeah. he works and looks after all the film for Amazon. I think in the world. So this is the incredible thing. 
last year, and I don't know if it's still true now, I was like, oh, so Love Film just is, is defunct. He's like, no, they were sending out, I think you said 800,000 DVDs a year. Wow. And he was saying, and I'm not sure I quite believe it, but that outside of London, still the, the most common way of consuming a film not in the cinema is on DVD. Uh, yeah, but it was I wound down it. last week. And, uh, because yeah, it's yeah. A Love Film have stopped sending out DVDs. <laughs> oh, that's tragic. <laughs> But still, last year it was still going <laughs> strong. <laughs> That's my point. Sadly, what happens to all the DVDs that are sent out? Do you have to like send them back? Yes, like, yes. And when you watched it, you yeah, send it back. Yeah, but, yeah, but then what happens to them oh, the now? Then what happens to them now? The last one that you got, do you yeah, like keep, that, keep, keep it? it? Is that, is that it's yours? like a souvenir of the, of the <laughs> good old days. <laughs> I, I will say, I, and this is a pure conspiracy theory, and I've got no backing up with this whatsoever. But I did, I did raise my eyebrows when she started talking about Outlander because there seems to be a nice little relationship she's she started with Amazon. Prime oh, and really? not Amazon, Amazon Video. Well, there has and been rumours about Jay and Amazon for well, quite a while. It seems like it's, a, yeah. it's it's all set up to, to to kind of go in that direction. And I, mm. I, I personally think it would be a good move for her. I think that Amazon, I think Netflix has a really strong identity of the sort of content mm. it makes, and it gets excitement around it. And and they, you know they did it with Amazon did it with the Grand Tour, but I don't feel like they've they've no. really repeated American Gods maybe. But but well, they're they're greatest shows transparent. Yeah, but and, the, and I transparent. tell you the brilliant thing about that is most people think it's on Netflix. If you exactly. ask honestly, I've asked this mm. question constantly. And you're absolutely right. I'm a, I can go on about this all night, so I'll be quick. But I am incredulous as to the marketing of Amazon Prime, because they've got some great content. Yeah. You're right, you know, particularly transparent. And but yet somehow it has not hit through as a cool brand to watch yeah. I'm, content. I'm on. developing something for Amazon at the moment. Okay. Yeah, um, and you know, it is it is it is great. It's a really bold mm. idea. I won't say what it is, but it's a really bold idea. Um, and they're incredibly excited about it. But I think even. I think they know that out there is a, if there is a the ceiling is so much higher than yeah. they are at the moment. And yeah. I think you're right. It's about curating what they've got, but mm. it's also pushing it past the, the books and the cornflakes and yes. everything else. Having a separate way, yeah. in, having a better. I'm amazed they they didn't give it a different, completely different name. I, I think people, yeah, like I give think it a people who, who pay yeah. for Prime. Yeah. Probably don't realise that they. No, can I don't get, think they do. I think they sort of no. don't quite know where it no, is. No, I agree. It's, but it's it's there's there's certainly. I mean, from a media story, and, and I don't. I think they come as a package, David and Jay, and, and I think as a media story for them to go over to Amazon Prime or something like that feels like where their next iteration of of, mm. of, of what those two are doing is, and and it's it's compounded by the fact that you know we stand here. Look, it's not a secret; it's an open secret about the micromanaging and the criticism she's had about working with Indies, etc. All of that goes away when she starts working with a distributor like that they are ruthless they you know they don't get back to emails and none of this like if you they will make you wait in the in the reception if they want to make you wait in the reception it's you know they're a big american corporate company and they're not a public service broadcaster and i think that they probably are looking for somebody that just does nothing but make a success of a channel or in this instance a mm. brand and i think that those two are, are definitely prime candidates for that Brand candidates. I like that. Oh, yeah, like that. Nice. Also, that was a wonderfully backhanded compliment, I think. <laughs> uh, elsewhere, Kevin Ligo uh, was talking about his plans for ITV uh, for the year ahead. What's he got coming up? What can we expect, Boyd? My, all I can remember, it's terrible, isn't it? From Kevin, my huge memory of Kevin's session was him being asked, what's the future of comedy on ITV? And he said, bleak. Yes. And I just thought, I have to say, I was. Sh- I mean, I, on the one hand, I commend him on his honesty, and he was not joking, by the way. No. And he just kind of said, well, it's just impossible, hard to get right on ITV. We tried Birds of a Feather, and, you know, and that was about it. 
and he's got Benidorm, which is a big hit always. But I just thought it was really depressing that he's not literally mm. not bothered about mm. trying scripted comedy on ITV. <laughs> so everything else he said, kind of like, I was like, oh. Um, but he has got a lot. He, to be fair, they are investing in loads of drama. They've got mm. some good drama coming up. ITV drama feels much better now than maybe a few years ago. I don't know. Maybe that's well, it's a very welcoming place now, right, okay. ITV, actually, as, as, as indies. And, and Polly, you know, has got that sort of bright, kind of welcoming attitude. Um, and I think you really know what they are now. Right. And it's not what they're not. There always used to be that criticism of ITV drama. It was like, oh, this isn't ITV. This is not for the ITV audience. And that's actually incredibly depressing to mm. sort of be pitching against a negative. But Polly's so not like that in terms of personality. Uh, and she's incredibly welcoming and, you know, and very, very decisive and very quick. Um, so, yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, definitely. and they're commissioning really good drama writers mm, to write are. stuff for their channel. Yeah. I feel like BBC One and ITV from outside are really competing for these like big now like the Jack Thorns and the Williams brothers and these people who are kind of now almost like the peak yeah, marquee of, names yeah, yeah. yeah in terms of writing yeah. to, for, for, to them to give them new stuff and there's, I do believe in fact that the Williams brothers who did um, The Missing have got a series on ITV and BBC One launching the same week yeah. a new six part series and it could even with be one, on the same with one band. word titles yeah, which actually yeah. you know one's going to get the wrong yeah, one one's in the wrong called place. Liar yeah, one's called Liar and the other one's called Relic Relic yeah, yeah. Which, is, mm. which is killer yeah. backwards absolutely yeah. huge week yeah. in the Williams household. <laughs> yeah. 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 Lisa's two of them. You know, yeah. exactly. One can watch one, one can watch yeah, the exactly. other. Two TVs. Yeah. <laughs> Each yeah. Yeah. Each um, a bar box. Yeah. Uh, never seen a bar box. Still never seen one. No, um, no one has. Uh, ITV2 had its most successful year, yes. um, mainly due to Love Island, but possibly because of BBC3, I, I would guess. A little bit, but I think Love Island is a huge, is is, mm. is is an absolute phenomenon. I mean, that, yeah. that, I think that even they are shocked by it because la- oh, yeah, when they, they brought are. it back last year, it did really well. Yeah, and I think they were surprised. Then this year, even bigger and even more of a cultural phenomenon to the point where now people are like, writing about it in the Times and Radio Four's talking about. It. John Humphreys has to be told what it is on the Today program. And, you know that you know you've reached cultural phenomenon levels <laughs> when people talk about it in that. And I think and it has killed Big Brother. Let's face it, normal Big yeah. Brother. Non, non-celebrity brother is now an irrelevance I think so I think it's more about that really for ITV2 than necessarily BBC3 I guess it's true that BBC3 does, isn't, isn't as an cha- existing channel mm. a linear channel any challenge at all anymore and I, do f- and I feel sad about that still yes. even though they will tell you that it's still doing phenomenally well everything does brilliantly well but yeah ITV2 and I, I think Love Island you know I, I have to say it's a brilliantly made and produced and compelling thing and on every day and, it, and, and, the, and it's absolutely single-handedly destroying the idea that young people don't watch TV because my niece who's 17 is absolutely effing obsessed with it and will watch it wherever mm. she is in the world on whatever device she can and I think there are mil- literally millions of 17-year-olds doing the same thing it really demonstrates that we're still in that era of, of hero shows that like if you get a hit on a broadcaster it just changes the whole essence of what that, that um, network is and, and what yeah. that brand is you know and we've had it with Channel 4 and Big Brother and, and that started becoming an albatross you know Love Island is, is, is I don't have any doubt in my mind that, that Love Island now is going to be the thing a little bit like Big Bang Theory on E4 that you're going to see again and again and again on that channel and they just need to make sure they continue to innovate around it so it's not just relying on that one that one brand but it's going to be a juggernaut and it's not going away anytime soon um, Looking at some of uh, ITV's uh, trickier um, trials the nightly show um, 
Kevin was asked, did it did it work? Yeah. Uh, and he, he said, said no, no. no not <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I must say, um, what's, um, nice, what's nice about all of these controller sessions is that there has been a real sense of honesty that I don't feel mm. like we've had previously. It's quite unusual. You no, know, I think it's also they brought the commissioners on, so there's a bit of a conversation going on, but also they're not being grilled by, you know, tough-ass news kind of anchors. Yeah. They're actual journalists. They've been, gr- you know, been questioned by f- sort of people who are fans of television. Not sort of people, a real person, Thanks. not yeah. Boyd. No, a fan of Boyd is a sort of person. But, you know, yeah. right. <laughs> You're right, I'm definitely not going to uh, go in but there. But you do mean there's a sense yeah. of kind of we're all in this together, we want to hear what you do. I mean, Without being glass is half empty guy I, I think that we are in a lull in television though and I think that that's part of why we're getting the level of dishonesty people have tried things over the past couple of years like the nightly show and, and I think Love Island was a surprise to everybody including mm-hmm. ITV2 mm. um, but, the, but the reality of what's going on in TV right now is that there are lots of things that are coming to an end Game of Thrones um, yeah, we've you know, seen the end of Mad Men and Breaking Bad and, and I think that we're actually not seeing the replacements those super hits those super brands um, and, and I think that once you kind of come back know. into I think there are. I mean, Stranger Things and Fargo and, and the impact. But of I, I don't think. But I don't think that they're as big as the, the big conversation pieces like Love Island, like Strictly, like Bake Off. Like you know, I think entertainment. I mean, I think yeah. I think yeah. I think drama is flourishing. Pe- totally. Yeah. And I think, in fact, the interesting thing about the festival is my one criticism would be I don't feel there's enough. There sessions isn't about enough drama. drama. And given that Diedrich is a chair and he's creating it and so he's for drama. Me, it's you know. weird because drama is the absolute massive expanding area, and I think right. drama has never been better. I think the quality is incredible. Every week I get to see a new drama on BBC or ITV or Channel 4 and I'm like, well, they're and all... Netflix and, and, and you can't, it's whatever. almost like you cannot go below a certain bar now of quality yeah. on, on TV. And, and, I remember, and the know, two drama sessions are against each other. In, oh, that's in, yeah. So there's really a line annoying. of duty. Line you know, of duty right. and, and stars, right. Carmi and, and Emma Frost. I think that should be, next year, it's got to be the big focus. The, you know, Netflix, is, Netflix alone... Yeah which is helping, I think it's part of the story, but not by any means the whole story, because BBC and ITV are churning out hours and hours and hours of new original drama, and it's bold, exciting stuff. But I think Stranger Things is a huge cultural phenomenon. Yeah. And, that, you know, and, that, and we'll see how it returns. We'll but, how it turns, but Game yeah. of Thrones actually did take a while to become what it was. Yes, you know, but I guess, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, we, we make more factual stuff. We make fact-ed, we make entertainment programming. And I, th- I think that there certainly feels like there's a, a moment where people are scratching their heads, kind of going, we still haven't found that Saturday night format that's going to be replaced. Oh yeah, whatever that's it's true. going on. Yeah. I think entertainment's in that, a lull. That, that I agree new, with that. That new fact tent format, like The Apprentice, like Bake Off, that's, that's yeah. going to be moving on. And, and I think that actually a lot of people here, I, I think drama is its own thing, and it is got a much closer relationship with film. Um, and and it feels like when I'm here, there's there's a more of a sense around factual and documentaries based on the amount of sessions there are, and and that has left people a little bit thinking, you know, what is actually next, and and do we need the changing of the guard with Jay going and um, and things turning around slightly, and, and Kevin's strategy coming coming to fruition um, to kind of really see what is going to all those channels going to look like moving forward. I do get the also, sense they're all obsessed with getting a new entertainment format. It's time, oh particularly yeah. for well Saturday overdue. night. Yeah. It's well, well overdue. I think they're a little uh, bit too obsessed. I'm doing a session tomorrow that is called Move Over Drama Entertainment is I Back saw, oh my God. I saw yeah. that Which, I mean I looked fault. at the title and was like <laughs> really yeah. it definitely it's I mean, definitely it's not true embarrassing yeah. really I'm coming to that session I'm going to but the trouble is heckle. Kate Phillips said today didn't she on the BBC on Charlotte's session the BBC One session that they have com- they commissioned 50 developments for 50 new entertainment yeah. formats yeah. 50 yeah that's and they still haven't found still haven't got a exactly. sticky yeah. hit yet yeah. you know it's it's really it's, it's difficult because it also challenges the way people watch television, doesn't it? I mean, Strictly is still a moment. Uh, you know, everybody yeah. stops to watch Strictly or, or, or Bake Off. You know, presumably yeah. those are the things you want to watch in the moment. But you have to kind of get the moment there first to put the 
show into to make it work. It's and really we've, and we've it's, a different, a, it's a different era. To create we've had one. a couple of years of the voice moving from BBC to ITV, Bake Off moving from one place to Channel Four, and they're all just kind of just swapping the same formats or recreating the same mm. formats mm. again. But it definitely we are overdue either a fact end format or either a, a, a or a big entertainment show that does drive conversation. I don't think that we have it, and it's a bit of a shame that we haven't seen it here. Any other sessions that you've enjoyed particularly that have been insightful or interesting? I enjoyed Patrick Holland's first controller okay. session, you know, because that was BBC. Time was, and they were all in the same room. Now, BBC One and Channel Four and Jay is always a star of the festival, anyway. Because people always hope she's going to say yeah. something wicked. Um, yes. You know, they were in the big, big venue, and uh, Patrick did the quiet one in, in BBC Two, and it was really, it was very rich. It felt there was a lot of interesting content that really challenged how to tell big, deep stories about society as well there was a beautiful clip um, I think from the documentary stand um, of a show called Gifted it seemed to be a beautifully made films about gifted kids who also had free school meals so it's about what it's like to be academically gifted in a community where you know the aspiration for university or the aspiration to kind of continue education isn't isn't hardwired in your family and it was just the couple of little clips of it made people literally go kind of you could hear a pin drop it was because these children talked with they were like 10 or 11 and they talked with such hope and um power of their own thought you know it was really moving so I thought that was a very special little session actually uh, for us, anything? Uh... Like I said earlier, there's there's a lot going on with with new young voices that I think is really exciting, and you know that's that's part of it. I think that, that people are starting to get a bit more confidence in kind of going, let's look at a new generation of presenters and talent that we can start getting out there. And like I said, I went to the Dan and Phil session. I thought they were really great. Um, I've just seen Vuj walk past. We've seen uh, yeah. you know we've seen some people that that aren't instantly recognisable as faces of primetime TV, but but certainly are, are recognisable too. There's literally fans outside of autograph books. I've not seen that at Edinburgh TV Festival before, um, and I think that that's really exciting and yeah I was, I was chatting to someone last night about Vuj because I was really excited that he's here and everyone at the table was like no idea who he is uh, never heard of Copper 90 yeah. well, and these are people who would say that they were football fans and you yeah, kind of go oh, that's weird him four to the floor and, and you know Vuj was on the sofa and he was one of our, our presenters yeah. and actually he, when he was doing that show the Grenfell thing happened and he was a, a representative voice of that community yeah. and, and I definitely think that there's a, an opportunity to get those voices out there and, and bring them here so we can actually find out about them it shouldn't be the same old voices and faces again and again mm. I, I did this session yesterday with the, um, the guys who make the Ellen show and oh, it was yeah. uh, talking about their, their kind of digital approach and they have huge huge numbers on, on their YouTube channel and, and a massive amount of hits and they get lots of stuff that goes that goes viral and they're kind of there's a sort of cycle where their audience are creating content they're then boosting it on the yeah. show and then it kind of feeds itself and it's was really gonna... interesting because it felt like no one in the UK is doing anything like no. that and it felt like and a good session it's a really good that. point because you, you also did um, Ben Winston last year didn't yeah, you yeah it was the same producer of James Corden show yeah, yeah. Um, but this with guys who are much right. more established and been doing but the things. amazing thing to me is because again this goes back to Kevin Ligo head of uh, ITV yesterday when he said that he's tried the nightly show it didn't work he's probably not going to bring it back might, certainly not at 10 o'clock and I'm like what? He's, and he said basically he said that for ITV everyone goes to 10 o'clock that's it it's over everyone's going <laughs> to bed they got home at 6 like, really they're, so they're home at 6 so there's a four hour window for him yes. and everything else forget about it I'm like hold on 
try at least do whatever you call it well, the, the, it's like the, mash, yeah. the mash report on right, which you know, is pretty good yeah. really fun yeah. but get Dermot if I was if I'm Kevin Liger I'm sorry I've got to tell him how to do his job get Dermot to host you the are, nightly chat show I am yeah. <laughs> but do those YouTube things do sketches yeah, and course. bits and get and that's the new economy, isn't it, of yeah. those shows? Where and, and it's working brilliantly for both really, for both Late Late Show and, really well. and yeah, and Ellen, which is an afternoon show mainly in America. But yeah, here but they has just have incredible global reach I think, because of you. And that's what my point. Back to my point, they're obsessed with this effing Saturday night thing, getting five million people at least. And overnight about, still, you know, it's not just trying to do other stuff. Yeah, it's but important. going back to you know, I know I keep banging on about it because I've literally just walked out of that session. But but Dan and Phil were saying this. I think the issue that in the UK is this geo-blocking issue. There, there is a problem about the fact that we still have haven't worked out this thing about do we make content available worldwide? How instantly do we yeah. make it available? Does it happen beforehand? Does it happen afterwards? You just do, don't it, you? The conversation hasn't happened well, here well, yet. Okay. There's not enough formats that have come trying it out. And it's it's all been picked off the back of Britain's Got Talent and, and X Factor. And they're the ones that are successful on YouTube. And, and ITV will always tell you that the top YouTube channels in the UK are, are all ITV shows. But, but they're not doing anything not, innovative, exactly, though, are they? The they're thing. just saying, okay, that was a good clip from the show. Put Let's it up. Put it up, put it, put it up yeah. online. That's and not there, there is, it's not. And I think that what we need to do is figure out as you're saying, how can we drive the conversation forward? A little bit like what John Oliver is doing, where you see the rant yeah. on Facebook and yeah. kind of go, oh yeah, that show's coming out this, this weekend, I need to make sure yeah. I watch that. Yeah. We need to start seeing yeah. that. You have to here. be confident enough in, in your content that you make you do make it globally available on YouTube and at the same time... I know, and there's this obsession with sort of geo-blocking yeah. things, isn't there, and protecting first yeah. windows and it, all it, of that. It, it, it takes people like... It's, uh, it's such a dated it way it, of yeah. looking at things. And it takes someone like Ben Winston, producer of a late show, to go, just don't fucking worry about that, just everyone's got to watch it. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and it's just, it's a no-brainer. And actually, the, the Ellen show is now shown on ITV2 right. because the, they right. could demonstrate there was a UK audience yeah. because yeah. they're all watching it on, yeah. on YouTube and yeah. loving it. Yeah. And yeah. then it gets broadcast, so it makes yeah. commercial sense. I think the one thing I really would love to start seeing moving forward is much better trailers for dramas, for, for entertainment shows. We Sometimes we get them right. The Bake Off one started going viral and that became a thing. You know, people had an opinion about it. But if you look at Netflix, I would argue that a lot of the conversational cachet that they've got is by making an absolutely killer trailer for Stranger Things. Girl Boss was a great trailer. I'm not sure many people actually ended up watching it. Um, <laughs> Glow never was know. an amazing trailer. And well, you only, also, you, have, you only have to look I at... I liked Glow. <laughs> your trailer was even better Yeah, yeah, than no, the, the trailer was amazing. Yeah. And, and I think we need good. to be much better at, like, like film, making incredible trailers because those trailers go viral when they're done. Well, and, they, and they, you know, finally are encouraged to. I do remember back in the day and the BBC battling to be allowed to put our trailers online. Oh, no, I don't think so. I mean, now, <laughs> of course, they, they do. And, you know, you look at the big film trailers, how many millions of hits they have and before the show has come. Well. They're yeah. invested in. They're yeah. not an afterthought. They're like, we need to carve out a bit of budget to make sure that this yeah. trailer is right. Very often better than the product. <laughs> yes. Well, sorry, when they have yeah. all the jokes. That's not all necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's like, you no, know, no. you're driving attention, you're driving audience. And it's that's a great how tradition you get your in film. I mean, most yeah, exactly. film trailers are better than yeah, the film. Say, yeah. That was funny. They go, no, that was all the jokes. Exactly. Um, we have just got time for our media quiz, oh. Oh, uh, no. which is this week entitled Monkey Tennis. Uh, so there have been a few new commissions announced at the festival. Your job is to ascertain the network on which it will air. It's the best of three. You will buzz in with your name. The winner is Tony Hayes. <laughs> Here we go. This is commission number one. Gordon on cocaine. Boyd. ITV. 
Fantastic form from you, Boyd. Tell me something about the show. Yeah, this is part of the, is it called Crime and Punishment or something? Season? Have you read these already? Boyd's seen no, all the screeners. Yes. He's had all the trailers. He works for an entertainment magazine. I do get sent I might disqualify you. Sorry. I'm probably going to disqualify you for this quiz. And, actually, I, and I also went to the Kevin Ligo session. It was mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's weirdly. part of the season called Crime and yeah. Punishment, Boyd. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but weirdly, Gordon Ramsay is doing this thing, a documentary about crime. It is bizarre. Going to um, South and Central America and just watching people cook up drugs. Exactly. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Does he He's get punished as well? In there, we so. see the crime. Is it, are they getting punished? Life crime. Uh, I think, are they going to send Piers Morgan to jail? I hope oh, so. Oh, please. Yeah. That's yeah. A Kevin Ligo did apologise right at the beginning for Piers Morgan. Yeah. Of this session, so that was good. Yeah. Okay, so Boyd, 1-0 to you. This might be a whitewash. Icons. The story of the 20... Me, Kate. That was BBC Two. Yeah, it was BBC Two. Yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. I'm going to the bar. Century. This is yeah. like, I don't even know why I'm <laughs> There's here. There's still one left. You can tie it's it up. Channels, uh, this is uh, a new global history series telling the definitive story of the 20th century through the people who made it. And that does sound like a good, honest BBC, BBC Two show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. not going out on anything else. Textbook BBC Two. Boyd, you're not allowed to buzz okay. in on this okay. one. Okay, I'm just uh, just to even things up okay. a bit. Oh, you know what? So I'm, I'm going to say before you even say it, I'm going to say Channel Four. I'm like, I'm going to stick my neck out there oh, and go. Oh. <laughs> well, first of all, you're going to have to say your name. Buzz in. Faraz, Channel Four. Let's see. So the third one. <laughs> I'm getting my wallet out. I'm putting my money on the table. This is how confident I am. <laughs> the button. Uh. BBC One. Oh, Kate. Yes. You can't get the order right, Kate. You're so excited. <laughs> it's a format. You know, you've got the format all wrong. <laughs> Completely wrong. Uh, yes, it is BBC One. Uh, this is families competing in challenges at home. Families it's doing Gogglebox, the game show. Yeah, Gogglebox, the game show. Uh, and they managed to pitch it without mentioning Gogglebox. I know. People have clearly. never done something in the living room, right, apparently. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's, um, it's Alex Horn's yeah, idea. Alex Horn's idea, yeah. Lovely Alex Horn. Yeah, yeah um, good idea. And could be a, a mainstream hit, I think. Yeah, they showed clips of it on the BBC, and it looked funny. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, but it is Gogglebox, the, the game show. Yeah, but kind of, it's not, it's sort of silly. It's, I think yes. it's got some of that yes. kind of Alex's silliness. Yeah, right, exactly. And, and DNA in it, totally. which is perfect for that. Yeah. So, and that, and that was seems like his voice of the button. They have to, all these families have to press a button. I think the, the, like the it, premise think. is that the button is in your house, and you don't know when you're going to have to right. uh, play whatever the game is. Yeah. Um, but the button goes green, and then you've got a race, and then hit. Don't forget your toothbrush. Where you have to like, yeah. flick, you know, you don't light even have to rent a studio. It's all in people's houses. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I love the idea. They, she did say at one point that you know they sometimes leave a child on button watch and then all forget about it, and the child wanders off. The <laughs> button's glowing. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> nice. Really yeah. Or you can the, see front page of the Daily Mail already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> child left alone with button. <laughs> Weirdly, I think Kate, that means you won. Oh my yes, god! I mean, I obviously I just won. I did ban you, boy. I did ban. I'm a media uh, whore. Who knew? Yeah. Um, you at least, I mean, you went out on a limb at least for us. With that I mean, it's a disaster. Shot. I don't even know why I'm here, if I'm honest. It's like... no, well, luckily, that's the show. Uh, big thanks to Faraz Osman, Kate Harwood and Boyd Hilton. Uh, catch up with previous episodes and get the latest episodes as soon as they're released by subscribing for free at the website, themediapodcast.com. Today's show is dedicated to Simon Collum. Uh, he is a loyal and valued listener who didn't leave any details about himself. <laughs> Cut, it's none of our business. Totally fine. Just big thanks for supporting us, Simon. You keep yourself to yourself. <laughs> um, please do help us uh, stay on the air. Go to themediapodcast.com forward slash donate now and give generously. I'm talking to you three. I'm Rick Edwards. The producer was Matt Hill. The Media Podcast is a PPM production. Till next time, goodbye. Goodbye.